For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems things like hard starts rough performance and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup sea foam can help your engine run better and last longer simply pour a can in your gas tank hunters and anglers rely on sea foam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. That's SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. From Meat Eaters World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review with Ryan Cal Callahan. Now, here's Cal. The first buzzing of spring is starting here in Montana. I know many of you have had bugs flying around for a bit. Nevertheless, this research is timeless and universal for anyone, anywhere who grew up around mosquitoes. (laughs) Everyone knows that when a mosquito lands on your bicep, you can choose to either swat it or tense your muscles like a young Arnold Schwarzenegger. The increased blood flow will cause the blood sucker to swell and explode. <laughs> Trust me, I've done it. Well, not me, but my cousin Jake for sure has made a mosquito explode on his arm. Of course, this is a mosquito myth. Just one in a long line of myths that we learned as outdoor loving kids. According to a recently released paper authored by Dr. Perrin Ross in Entomology Today, the only way to cause a mosquito to explode naturally is by physically popping the parasite. Unless, of course, you have successfully replicated the work of Robert Gwad's PhD. Fifty years ago, Dr. Gwad's found that an incision in the central nerve cord of a mosquito can sever its signal to stop feeding. The cutting of the central nerve cord could have prevented the abdominal stretch receptors in the mosquito's gut to signal a full tank. The mosquitoes in the research that underwent the experiment could drink four times their body weights in blood because they literally didn't know when to stop. Some of these mosquitoes drank until they actually and truly burst. This research was seldom replicated successfully until the aforementioned Dr. Ross stepped in. Dr. Ross placed female mosquitoes in the refrigerator to slow them down, 
female mosquitoes are the ones who drink blood to bolster their egg laying. He then, under a microscope, used forceps, likely very small forceps, and crushed the ventral nerve cord. He then allowed the mosquitoes to feed on his arm. And feed they did, until they burst. Some kept right on feeding even after they burst, essentially letting the blood of Dr. Ross flow right through them. So, to rephrase, if you were to encounter a female mosquito belonging to the couple of hundred human blood-sucking varieties out of the 3,500-plus known skeeters out there, and she, somewhere in the course of her roughly two-and-a-half-mile day, were to land on your arm, preparing to bite you with her mouth full of anticoagulant-laced saliva, you can either gently grab her, incapacitate her long enough to pinch her abdomen in order to crush the ventral nerve cord, then allow her to feed until bursting. I'm sure you can throw a little flex in there, just for show. Or you can just, you know, whack it off. Diseases like malaria, West Nile, and dengue fever can be carried by mosquitoes. According to the CDC, malaria killed an estimated 405,000 people worldwide in 2018. We currently do not know what this study by Dr. Ross or many of the other strange mosquito studies will yield for the rest of us humans. Researchers in Malaysia and Thailand found that the track Scary Monsters and Nice Spirits by Skrillex will reduce the desire to feed in dengue-carrying mosquitoes. What's more, the dubstep proved to reduce their sexual desires. Another study found that human appetite-suppressant drugs reduced the desire for mosquitoes to feed. What all of these studies have in common, aside from being interesting, is a lack of a practical application. I myself am not going to sit along the river blaring Skrillex, no matter how talented the guy is. For me personally, covering myself in DEET consistently throughout the day sometimes feels as practical as offering diet pills to mosquitoes. I guess what this comes down to is the fact that we'll keep tinkering with these bugs, as annoying as they are, to try to prevent the transmission and spread of disease. But when it comes to our comfort, we may just need to grow a thicker skin. This week, we've got more on the Clean Water Act, new animals, food, and it's just a stick. Plus, so much more. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. As you know, my week and this podcast is powered by Steel Power Equipment, world's first and finest chainsaws. This last week, I had about a dozen people write in asking how they can purchase steel equipment and support the Cal's Week in Review podcast. Steel dealers are independent. You can't actually purchase directly from the uh, steel mothership, but don't let that stop you. Go into any official steel dealer, enjoy the knowledgeable service, and let them know that you heard about them on the uh, Cal's Week in Review podcast. If they haven't heard about the podcast, you get to spread the good word of conservation. Thank you to everyone who is writing in and supporting the show by supporting steel power equipment. All right. I've been busting my rear end in the kitchen. I ran the smoker the other day for about 14 hours. On the top rack, I smoked three brined and peppered goose breasts for pastrami sandwiches. I got these geese out of my family's place near Billings. And you can watch that hunt on the Meat Eater YouTube channel. 
You should go subscribe to it right now so I don't have to keep telling you this stuff. Anyway, Miles Nolte, our director of fishing, and I had a very fun morning easing into the goose season here in Montana, and you can watch it all. It was a great time. You'll enjoy it. It's part of our Meat Eater Hunts YouTube series. Anyway, on the middle rack, I had two elk tongues that I had brined for 10 days, both from uh, 2018 elk, one from a Montana bull, one from an Idaho bull. These both had the skin on, and uh, because tongue is fattier, the end result is not quite pastrami. It's more like a smoked corned beef. Smoking those tongues is good, but it did cause that skin to seize up, making the tongues a little painful to peel. On the bottom rack, I had a bone-in coos deer ham from this year's trip to Sonora, Mexico. I cured the ham in a dry rub by coating it well with Beaver Trapper Meat Eater Big Game Rub and sliding it into a vacuum seal bag for three days. I took all of this stuff, let it rest, then put it in the freezer to get firmed up. Once it was firm, I ran it all through the Weston Meat Slicer, took all that finely shaved meat, packaged it up, neatly labeled it, and threw it in the freezer. This way, I don't have to buy sandwich meat. That one day yielded four pounds of shaved deer ham, three and a half pounds of goose pastrami, and almost two pounds of tongue. I will also tell you that a friend of mine shot a bull bison outside of Yellowstone National Park, gave me the tongue off of that critter. I took that and four more elk tongues, which I collected myself or had a few friends dropped off. I brined all those in like your classic kind of corning brine, like you do a corned beef, for two weeks. I'm saving the bison tongue for a special occasion, but I simmered and sliced the elk tongues, as you would corned beef, for more sandwich meat. Eventually, that yielded three and a half pounds of corned elk tongue. That bison tongue is about three pounds all by itself. Then... I took out the very last, just found it hiding in the bottom of the freezer, turkey breast. What appears to be a singular lobe of likely a Jake or bird of the year wild turkey. Brine that in the brine that you can find in our meat eater guidebooks. It's got juniper berries. It's very lovely. For two whole days, laid it out to drip dry. Then I took butcher's twine, tied up the breast, rolling it in on itself. So the meat that touches the skin is on the outside and all the tender meat that touches the bone is on the inside. I threw that on the smoker and let it come up to an eventual 150 degrees over the course of several hours using my Traeger smoker, and then I basted it the whole while with more of that beaver trapper barbecue rub mixed with butter. I want to go to there. I prefer to keep the skin on game birds to provide a bit more margin of error when cooking, The consistently applied rub made the skinless meat snap when you bit into it. That being said, all you folks that keep writing in showing off your birds, congratulations. But leave a few for me, I'm still birdless. And considering how many folks are getting out onto our woods and waters, I'd just like to issue a casual reminder to leave a few for reproductive purposes. As more and more news outlets carry the story of fishing and hunting being an excellent way to avoid food uncertainty, we need to address the fact that fishing and hunting is highly regulated. Limits, seasons, rules, and regulations exist for a reason. Management also costs a lot of money. 
So make sure you buy your licenses, buy your tags, buy that duck stamp. I would absolutely love it if you were to get out and enjoy what I obviously enjoy so much, which is time in the woods and out on the water. And, you know, a little food gathering along the way. But be up to date on what you can and cannot take, along with the fact that sometimes just because you can doesn't necessarily mean you should. Additionally, many state and federal agencies do not have the ability to maintain and stock outhouses or provide garbage services right now. So plan accordingly. This is not an attempt to keep you out of the woods, but for gosh sakes, pick up after yourselves and others. For example, I like to target shoot with cardboard boxes. When I go out to a piece of state ground around Manhattan, Montana, I set up a box, do my shooting, then darn near every time I fill the box with trash from other people who must have forgotten their shotgun shells, shotgun wads, plastic stick-on targets, holster packaging, bottles, cans, etc. For the record, I don't enjoy doing this, but I do enjoy having the ability to step onto state ground and sight in my rifle or pattern my shotgun. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, 
and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. Moving on, but sticking with trash. As we discussed last week, the Trump administration passed its final rewrite of rules regarding the Clean Water Act. The navigable water ruling eliminates protections on pretty much everything the Obama administration protected, proving once again that when it comes to the EPA, there is no middle ground. We are in it for the party politics, not the, uh, what's the E stand for in EPA? Now, anyway, before you get all hot and bothered because I dared to mention the names Trump and Obama in the same sentence, you need to realize that, like I said last week, this is nothing new. Every administration takes a shot at altering previous rulings. When the Obama administration issued its sweeping EPA reform, 30 states filed lawsuits, and according to some darn fine reporting by Meat Eater's Sam Lundgren, the Sixth Circuit Court stayed the regulations after only 42 days. We are on track to see the same with the Trump administration's navigable waters protection rule. Again, this rule states that water isn't protected unless it has a year-round surface water connection to navigable waters that connect to major waterways. As I said last week, the Prairie Pothole region is a great example of an incredibly important water source for America and, if you're like me, food source. When you think about the role those waters play in waterfowl production, not to mention all the other life they support in upland birds, small and large mammals, reptiles, amphibians, and invertebrates, those non-connected puddles support a lot of life. Here is another example for you, this one from Melinda Casson, water lawyer and senior counsel for the TRCP, Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership, the navigable waters protection rule leaves the majority of U.S. wetlands and almost 20% of our country's streams without Clean Water Act protection. That's more than 90% of Arizona's desert stream miles. That's so many of the headwaters critical to trout. Good example if you're sitting in a state full of water thinking, how much could this affect me? Well, think beyond yourself. Think of Arizona. And remember, we're all in this together. Timing is, of course, everything. Only two days after the navigable waters protection rule was released, the Supreme Court issued a ruling in the case of County of Maui versus Hawaii Wildlife Fund. The County of Maui has been pumping 4 million gallons of treated sewage per day underground in a way that does not directly put that sewage into surface water that flows into a navigable waterway. Miraculously, though, sewage still made its way to the Pacific Ocean, located only a half a mile from the facility. If you don't think that stinks, under the new EPA rule, this is, just as I said, miraculous as the rules seem to say that if we don't see it, it didn't happen. Specifically in this case, if we don't see poop, poop didn't happen. The treated sewage was pumped underground, not into surface waters that connect to other waters like the ocean. However, and this is where it gets interesting, the Supreme Court said poop does indeed flow downhill, even if we don't see it. 
They did not say if the treated poo water was treated and disposed of properly in a fashion that was found not likely to enter a navigable waterway, but somehow did through an aforementioned miracle type of circumstance, the county of Maui would still be responsible for it. As in, do things the responsible way, and we recognize that sometimes, you know, poo happens. This was a 6-3 Supreme Court decision that was not dramatically left, or dramatically right, or dramatically pro-industry, or dramatically pro-environmentalist, however you want to cut it. Not pro-Obama-era EPA or pro-Trump-era EPA. But this decision still contradicts the new navigable waters rule and only two days after its release. We know that we need food and goods and the ability to drink and fish and clean water and we need to be able to do this for the long run. So it does irk me when we try to say that the natural flow of water, seen or unseen, does not carry with it what your neighbor dumped in it because that's their business and your property is yours, or, in the case of the Pacific Ocean, our business. We'll stick with this one. Please go check out Sam Lundgren's article at TheMeatEater.com for more on how the Supreme Court's and EPA's new Clean Water Act guidelines affect hunters and anglers. Moving on to the new species desk. To be fair, this first one is an incredibly old species in a new place. By old, I mean these fish are frozen in time, in the fossil record, and date back 100 million years. Recently, in the state of Washington, commercial carp fishermen hauled in two alligator gar that had gotten caught in their carp net. This is on the lower Yakima, or lower Yak, outside of Richland, Washington, home of the bombers. Alligator gar can live almost anywhere there is food to eat. They can breathe air in order to live in water void of oxygen. They can live in high or low salinity water and anything in between. That being said, they used to have a much larger range, but right now they are found primarily in the southern U.S. and Mexico, and definitely not Washington State. The two gar hauled in on the yak were indeed huge gar for Washington State, both under 34 inches. However, the U.S. record gar was also caught in a net only all the way down in Mississippi. That fish was over 8 feet long and weighed well over 300 pounds. The Washington gar will not get the chance to grow that large, as they are an invasive species likely released by a big fish fan with a small aquarium. Now, for that new new. A turtle with camouflage so good it hid right in plain sight. The Matamata turtle is one cool critter. Its unique shell looks like it could be rock and mud-covered creek bottom. Its long neck and flat head is covered in skin flaps that look like leaf and moss edges. It is no surprise that this turtle is an ambush predator. After all, when was the last time you heard about any turtle chasing something down? Anyway, this is your lumpers and splitters argument, a real classic here at the Meat Eater. The Matamata, from the Amazon and Mahuri regions, have a slightly more rectangular shell and pigmented belly, whereas the Matamata from the Orinoco and Rio Negro regions have a slightly more oval shape to their shells and lack the pigmentation on their belly. Through extensive DNA analysis, 
the team at the National University of Columbia have found that this one turtle is in fact two turtles, if you don't look back beyond 12.7 million years ago, that is. About that time, the Amazon and Orinoco basins began to divide geologically, and it appears that the turtle did as well. One developed for Amazon, the other for the Orinoco. If you think that this is a little silly, I can agree. However, you have to take a minute and see how amazing it is that one's environment can mold an entirely new species out of another over the course of 12 or so million years. In addition, being able to split a species can be helpful, especially when you're as cool-looking and charismatic as the Matamata. The exotic pet trade seems to specialize in animals like this. However, due to the large distribution of a single species, the Matamata was considered to be doing all right, kind of went under the radar. But now that we know we are dealing with two individual species in their individual world, so to speak, new attention has been brought to the Matamata, which could very well need our help. And lastly, from the new animal desk, a new pit viper species has been identified in India and named after a Harry Potter character, Trimerosaurus Salazar, or Salazar's Pit Viper, named after, of course, the fictional character Salazar Slytherin, who was the founder of the fictional Hogwarts School of Magic. That's not a whip job, wizard who went bad, it wasn't in Slytherin. To bring this back to reality, the Salazar's Pit Viper is amongst 48 pit vipers in the Trimerosaurus lecepidae genus, and they can kill you. According to Forbes, despite how cool animals are on their own, there is a growing list of animals named after Harry Potter characters. But if you want to know something even better than what animal was named after what fake thing in Harry Potter, the venom in the pit viper genus is hemotoxic meaning it destroys red blood cells and organ tissue. Could Salazar Slytherin do that? <laughs> Last up for this week, the anthropology desk. It's just a stick, but calling it just a stick would be like calling humanity's first step on the moon only dirt with a print. That quote was taken from archaeologist at the University of Tübingen, Jordi Serengeli originally reported by the New York Times, and it's a good quote. As reported in the journal Nature, Ecology, and Evolution, the famous site of Schoeningen, Germany, has produced some of the oldest weapons known to history, including spears and javelins, and now a half-pound, two-foot-long throwing stick. This quote, technology, is 300,000 years old, and it could predate Neanderthal, who we know now as a technological genius. That's an inside joke for you longtime listeners. Kind of. Anyway, there is of course an argument as to if this stick was not for hunting, but for digging roots, which would put the thrower in a more passive role than hunting tech, I suppose. This stick was sharpened at both ends, not to spear, but to aid in distance throwing. These items were used to kill small game and to herd large animals into traps. Stick-throwing experiments have shown that these tools are effective along their entire lengths, not the points, and a seasoned stick-thrower could launch the weapon a staggering 300 feet, which is impressive. 
Now, throwing sticks are well documented throughout history. The most famous, arguably being the aboriginal tool, the boomerang, which the aborigines used to great effect to disable kangaroos by breaking their legs. That's a heavy bone. The world record boomerang toss was set in 2005 at a staggering 744 feet or 227 meters. To bring this one home to modern times and the effectiveness of a good throwing stick, as a kid, my mother thought it would be a good idea to get me a boomerang, and it wasn't good for anything other than getting stuck on the roof. Fast forward a few years, and I watched the old outfitter pick up a straight stick, slightly heavier on one end, and attempt to thump a snowshoe hare on a snow-covered logging road we'd been walking back to camp on. He said, Pardon? I used to get quite a few rapids that way. He had this sidearm toss that made the stick fly perfectly level, end over end, about rabbit head height, and this technique stuck with me. Since then, I've gotten quite a few rabbits, and likely more grouse, with this technique. It is wickedly effective, and, unbeknownst to me, something hunters have been doing for only 300,000 years. Thanks a bunch for listening. Remember, we're working hard on the Meat Eater Land Access Initiative, where we are putting all proceeds from the Ranella Putellis campaign merchandise to providing more hunting and fishing for America. Go to TheMeatEater.com to buy that merch and submit any pieces of property that you know of right there as well. Don't forget to write in to A-S-K-C-A-L at TheMeatEater.com. That's AskCal at TheMeatEater.com. And let me know what I'm getting right. Let me know what I'm getting wrong and what I'm missing in your area. And while you're at it, tell some friends about the podcast. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order.